This is the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast, Episode 22, Understanding Plant Hardiness Classifications and Gardening Jobs and Plants of Interest for January. Plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs. Hello and welcome to the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast with me, Richard Farrer. And me, Sue Mack. This is the podcast to help you get the very best out of your garden with our regular features such as jobs to do in the garden and plants of note for this time of year. Coming up in this episode, we'll be discussing temperature hardiness scales for plants. Our plant of the month for January is Chimonanthus prycox, which is sometimes called a winter sweet. We have jobs to do in the garden and the vegetable garden. Our plants of note for January are Cyclamen coom, also called the eastern Cyclamen, and Erica carnea myrtown ruby, which is a heather. So we're now into January. It's officially the new year, so happy new year, everyone. Although the gardens don't notice the difference as we do in the new year. January starts the new year off with a bang, but the seasons kind of just flow and merge into one another. Although you might be a bit confused, though, Sue, because your rose, the hot chocolate in the front garden, is still in flower. I know. I've seen a few roses actually around the village that are still in flower, yet we've had some severe frosts already. It's a bit bizarre, isn't it? Now, that particular rose hot chocolate we talked about in episode 16, which is in July 2014, we talked about that one. It was awarded Novelty Rose of the Year 2006, and apparently it's supposed to flower from June to August. But no one's told the rose this. But I don't think it'll open up. It's literally just a bud. Just one bud, isn't it? I don't think it'll get a rose. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. These plants are weird, aren't they? They are very weird. Now, you are going to be going back home for five weeks, aren't you? Yes, I am. To some lovely warm weather. (laughs) Back home to South Africa. So you might miss the rose opening up. But if it does, I'll take a photo and email Mm, you. I don't think it will. But you can. If it opens (laughs) up, you can send me a picture. So you don't miss it. So I'll have to do the podcast next month in February on my own. But you're going to try finding something out for us in South Africa, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm going back to Cape Town. And Kirstenbosch Gardens is one of the most famous gardens in South Africa. And they even exhibit at Chelsea Flower Show. And I think they get gold every year, don't they? We do see them regularly and they have an amazing show because the Cape Town area has quite a diverse array of flora, doesn't it? Yes, it's known for that. And the Kirstenbosch Gardens are absolutely beautiful because their gardens actually go right up the mountain. And you've got these beautiful paths. And the reason I want to visit it again this year is because they've done a big walkway right through it now, which is elevated. A bit like the one they have at Kew Gardens here in London. So I can't wait to see that. And then I thought, well, while I was there... I'll have to try and find somebody so we can do an interview with them. That will be brilliant. We look forward to that, and I think it will be really interesting to speak to them. No, that will be interesting. I will do a bit of work while I'm on (laughs) holiday. There we go. If that makes you feel better, Richard. That does, while you're (laughs) sunning yourself. Yes, okay. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for that, Sue. So I thought a topic to discuss this month, as it's a bit chilly here in the UK, would be hardiness scales. 
Now, hardiness scales are a classification system, so you've got an idea of how cool a temperature a particular plant will withstand. Now, previously, the RHS had four ratings, H1 to H4, but they were considered a bit too vague to be useful. Now, these were H1, which was hardy, with the protection of a heated glasshouse, or some might say a tender plant. H2 was hardy in an unheated greenhouse. H3 was hardy in some parts of the country here in the UK, and H4 was hardy everywhere. Now, in spring of 2013, the RHS developed a new system, but it's not equivalent to the old system. So they do use H scales, but H1 in the new system is not the same as H1 in the old system. Confusingly, the USDA, the US Department of Agriculture, and the European Garden Flora, EGF ratings, they have a hardiness scale system, but their ratings are in reverse of the RHS scale. Oh, really? So as we're here in the UK, we are going to look at the RHS scale, but we'll also give the USDA and the EGF ratings as well. Now, the temperature ranges are the absolute minimum winter temperatures in degrees Celsius, not the long-term average or annual extreme minimum temperature, which is used for the USDA zones. And these are for the minimum temperatures. Maximum temperature, we don't normally have that problem in the UK no, with extreme temperatures. No. no, you don't. You never look at a plant and think it's going to be too hot. No. Never really is, but where you're from, you might have problems. For example, in America, if you're living in Nevada, well, that's desert, isn't it? Yeah. That's going to get pretty hot. And I can imagine Africa, I don't know about South Africa, what? Durban gets very hot, doesn't Durban it? Durban can get very hot. Christmas Day was 42 degrees there. Ouch. I think that's rather hot. Yeah. Wouldn't but fancy eating sprouts they... at the Christmas dinner at that temperature. <laughs> yes. And yes, people are still mad in South Africa. They have this big traditional Roast Christmas <laughs> lunch and you think, no, it's too hot. <laughs> yeah. But do you think in hot countries they do the same as what people do in this country is cultivate plants that don't do well in heat? That's a very good question. Now, we have plants that don't do well in the cold, so we can and, put them in the greenhouse. And this is what you tend to do in this country. You grow all these plants that are not for this country, and then you spend the whole of autumn trying to find places for them in your greenhouse. I don't think the same happens in... I've never heard a reverse equivalent of yeah, a greenhouse, but I'm gonna, which would be yeah. a refrigerated greenhouse. Exactly. So it is very unique, I think, to the British gardening world that they experiment more. We extend more, the plant's but capabilities. But it is, it is faffy gardening, as I call it. <laughs> You can't just leave it and forget about it. You have to worry about it and pack Certain it away. Plants, yeah, we know yeah. the pelagoniums, we have to do that. They yes. won't survive winter. No. But then we have house plants, which inside is warmer. So a house plant is not going to get frost, is it? No. Now, if you think of a really hot country, a plant that may not survive because the heat is too much... Well, if you bring it indoors, your heat inside is probably never going to go over 20, 22 degrees because you might have air conditioning. So that could be the equivalent. Yeah, but I don't think they do it the same way. It's like in South Africa, especially because obviously that's where I'm from. We don't have these beautiful hanging baskets because it's just too hot. You know, they just don't survive the heat. The and moisture we, would evaporate so quickly exactly. because they've got limited moisture And you come to Britain and that is one of the most beautiful things. You always go, oh, the hanging baskets are amazing. But you don't get that in South Africa. So 
I yeah. think in a hot country, they tend to grow more the hardy plants pertaining to their, their environment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Well, if you live in a hot country and you're extending your plants in some strange way, let us know. Yes. It would be really interesting yeah, I would to like, see what yeah, you've got. I would like yeah. to know. What you can grow and what you can't grow. Give us some feedback. <laughs> right, anyway, hardiness scales from a cool perspective. The first rating we have is H1A, and this is plants which need temperatures over 15 degrees. So this category is for a heated greenhouse or a tropical type plant. The definition is under glass all year. This equates to a USDA zone of 13 and a European garden flora zone of G2. Next we have H1B, which require a minimum of 10 to 15 degrees, which is a heated greenhouse or subtropical. The definition the RHS gives for this is plants that can be grown outside in the summer in hotter, sunny and sheltered locations, such as city centre areas, but generally perform better under glass all year round. Now remember this is for a UK classification. The USDA zone is 12 and the EGF zone is G2. Now, we will have all these on our show notes page for this particular episode, which you can get at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 22. H1C plants require a minimum temperature range of 5 to 10 degrees C, which is considered a heated greenhouse or a warm temperate zone. This is USDA zone 11 and EGF zone G2. H2 plants require a minimum temperature of 1 to 5 degrees, which is tender, cool or frost-free greenhouse, a USDA zone 10B and EGF zone G1B. H3 plants require a minimum temperature of 1 to minus 5 degrees. These are classified as half-hardy and require an unheated greenhouse or mild winter here in the UK. The US zones are 9B or 10A and the European zones are H5B or G1A. H4 plants on the new RHS scale require a minimum of minus 5 to minus 10 degrees C, which is classified as hardy or an average UK winter, and a US zone of 8B or 9A and a European zone of H4B or H5A. An H5 on the RHS scale is a minimum temperature of minus 10 to minus 15, which is classified as hardy or a cold winter. We have had minus 15 near once too, haven't we? Yes, we have. But that was the absolute minimum, so that really is quite cold. That's not common where we live. No, it isn't. That is quite a severe winter. The US scale for that is 7B or 8A, and the European scale is H3B or H4A. H6 on the RHS scale is from minus 15 minimum to minus 20, which is a hardy or very cold winter. And the US scale is 6B or 7A, and the European is H2B or H3A. And finally, the RHS reckon they can get down to H7, which is a plant which can stand below minus 20, classified as very hardy. They're not kidding there, are they? Mm-mm. I don't think we've ever had that. No. I don't know whether up in north of Scotland you might get in extreme conditions. What they say here is it's a hardy even in the severest European continental climates, including exposed upland locations in the UK. 
and the US scale is 6A to 1 or H1 to H2A and European scale. As I said, we will have more detailed notes because this is quite complex, but it is useful to know these. So if you're looking in a garden centre and looking for a particular plant and you're thinking, will it survive in my garden? These are a really useful way of knowing what you can put in and what will survive. It is, and we do try and buy hardy stuff, don't we? It's cheaper, isn't it? Otherwise, you could buy plants every year. Like and you we say, don't have a greenhouse. It is faff gardening, and <laughs> we don't have a greenhouse. So we, no, have, we, we try and be a bit more sensible and get hardy. But still, you know, the winters, if they're very damp and we've got the boggy soil, they also don't survive sometimes. No, they don't. But then that's a question of whether it's the temperature or the drainage the in the dra- soil. Exactly. And if exactly. you put plants in certain sheltered locations close to the house, they do get a bit more protection and can withstand a little bit more. Yeah. Plant of the Month. Now our Plant of the Month for January is the Chimonanthus prycox, which is sometimes called the Winter Sweet or Japanese Allspice. It is a fully hardy deciduous shrub which is native to China and was introduced here into the UK in 1766. So it's been on these shores for quite a while, yes. And Chimonanthus apparently means winter flowering, which is why we've chosen it for January. Now, the RHS scale is classified as H4, which means it's hardy throughout most of the UK and can tolerate temperatures from minus 5 to minus 10 degrees C. It likes full sun, so it's good trained against a south-facing wall in a sheltered position by the house. It can grow up to four metres with a three metres spread, and it's quite a fast-growing plant. Soil-wise, it likes moist but well-drained soil, and it flowers from December to February, with small bowl-shaped yellow flowers, which are strongly fragrant, tinged purplish-red inside, and borne on bare branches in winter. So they really do stand out on the bare branches. What do you think to this flower, Sue? I think we've seen this again, haven't we, at Anglesey Anglesey Abbey Winter Gardens. Because I do recognise it. I do as well. It's lovely, isn't it? Very pretty. We have, haven't we? We have. I think so, yeah. Very pretty. There are other cultivar varieties of this one as well. And I think the yellow in winter, it's just a bit of colour. Quite a lifting colour, a warm colour, isn't it? Certainly in a sort of cool winter's day, Mm, yeah. Very pretty. They're also good for flower arranging. Okay. Maintenance requires minimal pruning, best done in late spring, remove dead or diseased or crossing branches, and mulch with well-rotted compost or manure. One particular cultivar of this species is the Luteus cultivar, which does have the RHS Award of Garden Merit. And if you want to buy this plant, we do have links online with the show notes for this page, which you can get at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 22. Now, jobs to do in the garden for January. You can be planting bare-root trees and shrubs. Most planting done this month is of bare-rooted plants. They're often a bit cheaper than container-grown specimens, but only available during the autumn and winter. If the weather is suitable, i.e. the soil is not too wet or frozen, then planting can still be carried out this month. First, you need to dig a hole wide enough and deep enough to accommodate the spread of the roots. And try forking in some well-rotted garden compost or horse manure into the base of the hole and then position the plant into the centre of the hole. 
Next, bang in a tree stake if necessary and tie it to the tree. Then backfill the hole with the soil you dug out, again with some added manure or compost, healing in as you go to firm the side of the soil so that soil does not sink in in subsequent days. Finally, if you think rabbits or other pests might be a problem, put a tree guard around the trunk of the tree and remember to water it well next spring and summer. This time of year is also a good time to feed the birds. Many people feed garden birds all year round, although perhaps they should be encouraged to feed on the plentiful supply of insects and seeds during the spring and summer months in your garden, which can keep the pests down in your garden, a natural way of doing this. It's at this time of year, however, that they generally need a little bit of help to get them through the winter. So if you can, try to supply a good range of foods for all the different species that visit your garden and make sure there's a regular supply of unfrozen fresh water for them. If heavy snow falls, which it could do in January, it tends to be a colder month, doesn't it, January and February, so... It does, yes, and I, maybe I'll miss the snow this year. <laughs> <laughs> well... Which I love the snow, so I'll be sorry to miss the snow as well. I'll take photos and email you, <laughs> yes. But if the heavy snow does fall, shake it off the branches of your trees and shrubs to prevent them snapping under the weight, because the snow can get surprisingly heavy. Check existing tree stakes and ties on other plants in the garden. Make sure they're not too tight and digging into the bark of the tree. Remove any stakes that are no longer needed. And if you haven't already serviced your lawnmower, get your lawnmower serviced and the blade sharpened, ready for the spring when you will need to dig it out again. You can also be looking through seed catalogues to decide what you'd like to grow from seed when the spring finally does arrive. And continue fruit tree pruning. We do have an article on fruit tree pruning on the website, which you can get a link to in the show notes for this episode. And wisteria pruning. Pruning a wisteria should be carried out twice a year. Two prunings per year not only helps in the development of the flowers, it also helps to keep the wisteria in check, as they can become incredibly invasive plants if left unpruned. Mid to late winter is one of the good times in the calendar for pruning, and pruning should also be carried out again in July. If the pruning is not carried out correctly, the plant produces too much vegetative growth at the expense of flowers. So unless they are being used to extend or improve the framework, the vigorous young vegetative shoots need to be strongly curtailed to encourage flower production. The plant's energy needs to be diverted into producing flowers, and this is best achieved with pruning. If you intend to prune a very neglected, twisted and totally out-of-control wisteria, some pruning of the very woody older stems may be required, but under normal circumstances this older wood that forms a framework of an established wisteria is left unpruned. Regardless of what is going on with the older stems, which are often intertwined and difficult to prune, the main aim of pruning is to get the younger shoots that are easy to work with growing in a horizontal row formation along the space you have to fill. This will create the correct framework shape for future years. It's off these horizontal stems that shoots with the potential to develop flower spurs will be produced and if pruned properly, and at the correct time of year, they will produce a good show of blooms. 
So, use the following steps to prune your wisteria. First, identify the stems that form the framework of your wisteria. Do not cut or prune any of these unless you need to start afresh with the training because the framework shape is incorrect. Second, have a definite picture in your head of how the wisteria should look in years to come. It should have a central upright stem or realistically a plat of several mature upright stems of which mature horizontal laterals produce the flower-bearing shoots. Wisteria flowers are more likely to be produced on short spurs originating from horizontal shoots. Then it is only the younger, greener, more flexible vegetative shoots that need to be pruned if the woody framework already has the correct shape. The young green shoots can often get out of control and can grow up to four metres in a single year, which is pretty awesome growing plant, really. I love wisteria. Yeah, and we've so planted beautiful. one, which we're going to try training up, but we don't need to do this pruning yet, no, do we? No, it's too small. It is far too small. With each evergreen shoot, decide if it's to be kept and to be tied in as a new horizontal framework shoot. As you choose the new horizontal framework shoots, they should be tied on to strong horizontal wires. If you decide that a young shoot is not required as a new framework shoot, it can be converted into a flower-bearing spur. Trace it back to the horizontal shoot from which it originates and cut it back to two or three buds after the point at which it protrudes, leaving a short spur. Pruning these shoots in this way encourages the short spur to produce flowers. Finally, in July, after flowering, cut back the same shoots again, but this time not so short. Five or six buds in length should suffice. This second summer pruning allows more light and air to be absorbed by the older woody framework, encouraging it to ripen and therefore develop more flower buds. Wisterias do need twice as much pruning as other climbers, but your hard work will be rewarded. We've got a bit to do when ours get going. We do, but they do make an amazing show when they get going and they are absolutely beautiful. I think they're one of my favourite spring flowers. They are, and quintessentially British as well, oh, aren't they? Oh, yeah, you go to the old stately homes, you start going to them and they've just got them right across the walls. And Hatfield House has one, if I oh, remember correctly. Stunning, yeah, absolutely stunning. Beautiful. They are worth pruning effort, well yeah. and looking after them and getting them to make a show yes you'll get more flowers and you will be rewarded with a show for a little bit of effort in the vegetable garden in the vegetable garden for january you can sow inside peppers and cauliflower outside you can plant out rhubarb and you can be harvesting leeks kale and cabbage so not much to do in the vegetable garden at this time of year but it won't be long before it starts getting busy. Yeah, I'll notice a big difference when I get back. You will, yes. It's going to be all hands to the pumps in the garden. It will. And all, I'll be getting back and spring will definitely be showing signs of being on its way. All the bulbs will be coming out, won't they? Can't wait. Plants of Note now, plants of note for January, we have cyclamen coom, which is sometimes called the eastern cyclamen or round leaf cyclamen. It's a fully hardy, deciduous, tuberous, herbaceous perennial. It is RHS classified as H5, which means it can tolerate down to minus 10 to minus 15 degrees C, which is hardy in most places throughout the UK, 
even in severe winters. It's got an average growth rate taking two to five years to maturity. It's 10 centimetres tall with a 10 centimetre spread and can tolerate partial shade. It likes moderately fertile, moist but well-drained and humus-rich soil. Its flowers are small, about two centimetre wide, pink or white flowers with upswept petals and flowers from January to March. Foliage-wise, it has rounded silvery-green marbled leaves and is ideal around the base of a deciduous tree or with ferns in a shady area. It also has the RHS Award of Garden Merit. Maintenance-wise, in spring, apply a mulch of leaf mould when the leaves die back. And pest-wise, vine weevils can attack pot-grown specimens, but generally they're pretty disease and pest-free. We like the cyclamens, don't we, Sue? Oh, they are lovely. We saw some yesterday, didn't we, in a conifer, and they had them all around the base. Uh, Yeah, it was a little pot outside someone's house. A conifer, as you say, small dwarf conifer in the centre, and cyclamens around the side. Now, I don't know which cyclamen that was. I didn't look closely, because I think in episode 7 of the podcast, we did discuss the cyclamen heterofolium as our plant of the month. And that, as the name suggests, heterofolium refers to the leaf looking a bit like ivy hedera means ivy but this is a slightly different species of the cyclamen but But pretty nonetheless exactly and again it just gives that color in the dark winter months very pastel shades of the sort of pinks and whites lovely they are lovely plants aren't they at this time of year yes very and i think they're quite popular people do use them a lot i think so in hanging baskets as well yeah, that's a good idea for hanging baskets at this time of year. So winter. you've still got hanging baskets with a bit of colour and interest. Yeah. yeah. And our second plant of note for January is Erica Carnea Myotown Ruby, which is a heather. This is fully hardy and an evergreen shrub. It has an RHS classification of H7, which is down to minus 20 degrees C, which hardy in even the severest European continental climates. The heathers are pretty robust plants, aren't they, growing on moors and things? Well, exactly. I mean, that's their natural habitat. It is, yeah. And personally, I think that's where they <laughs> Yeah, it's not <laughs> They're my... They're not my favourite. Not my favourite, but they do add a splash of colour at this time of year. And they do well in a rock garden, I should imagine. That's yes. their sort of natural think habitat. They, they belong where they belong and they on look the moors. on the moors and it looks amazing from a distance because you see this carpet Mass, of color yeah. and maybe that's why you, it's just a carpet where if you've got the odd one in a pot you don't get the same real effect yeah they don't seem to have the same panache no. nowadays but plants do go through phases don't they where yes. sometimes in vogue like or not. fashion yeah. yes and maybe they're not in fashion at the moment But this one, it could be a good one to choose if you like Heathers, as it has the RHS Award of Garden Merit and the RHS Perfect for Pollinators Award, which means it can give some insects much-needed food at this time of year. Growth rate, it's an average growth rate, takes 5 to 10 years to achieve maturity, and it grows to 25 centimetres tall with a 45 centimetre spread, and it's a low-growing spreading habit. It likes full sun but can tolerate partial shade. And soil, like most heathers, it prefers acidic, well-drained soil, but they can tolerate mildly alkaline soil. Flower-wise, this particular cultivar has masses of small bell-shaped tubular, deep rose or pink flowers, and flowers from January to May, so it has a good flowering period. It does. Just before all the bulbs start taking off and spring comes out. 
Foliage has dark green needle-like leaves and maintenance generally pest-free, but after flowering, trim with shears to remove the spent flowers and encourage further bushy growth. And both these plants we have links to online on the show notes at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 22. So that's it for this episode, the first one of 2015. You can get the show notes, as we've said before, to this episode and links for the plants we've talked about and for the RHS scale of hardiness classifications at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 22. You can also follow us online and Twitter at plantadvice or follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash plantadvice. So you've got to finish your packing, Sue, before you whisk off on the airlines. Packing and ironing. Climbs. <laughs> <laughs> Two things I've still got to do, my packing and my ironing. Packing and ironing. <laughs> and, then off. and then I'm off for a then good holiday. <laughs> and you'll report back in March's episode, how I you got on at back, Kirsten yes. Bosch Gardens. Yes, definitely. And I do. I will work very hard to get a nice interview in, which I'm sure you'll all find very interesting. Now let's hope so. Well, I hope you have a good time, Sue. If your rose comes out, I'll send you an email. And if it snows, I'll send you an email. You do that. Yes. So that's all for this episode. Thanks ever so much for listening. I hope you listen again next month. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. This podcast was brought to you by plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs.